your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Sitting in studio with Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot, who is checking the agenda of the city council meeting on Thursday. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, and I didn't turn on the Facebook Live because we're too busy running down all the things that I want to talk about. So if you want to get in here, the Sugarloaf 4 talk and text line, 608-785-7914, 608-785-7914. If you got questions for Mayor Tim Cabot, um, first things first, South Lanes is possibly closing. I When I drive by there, they say they have the best pizza in town. What is your opinion on the best pizza in town? They South Lanes, I would uh, put them right up there. I, I would agree that they do have really, really good pizza. They they are, I, I believe they've uh, had the the property and or the business on the market for a little while. And so there was a proposal that is working its way through the city council this month and, and will be acted on on Thursday of whether or not to move forward with uh in essence, kind of a zoning change to allow for a new use there. So uh, I don't know a lot of the details about if it is, you know, what the sale is and and uh, and the scope of that because that's really between those private parties. But the, the new user is coming to the city asking for some zoning change. Okay, so top three best pizza in town? Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, that, that it, you make it very difficult because I can't I'll put I mean, you on the spot. I can't, you know, I don't want to like forget someone, and then and then the mayor has uh, neglected. You're, you're endorsing good pizza. one one pizza place I mean, over you, another. You think about kind of the, all the classics. I, I mean, I would say South Lanes is good. Big Al's is really good. Um, I, I think the um, uh, even sort of outside of our area, um, uh, Home and Pizza Corral has got good pizza. So I think there's just there's a number of them around here that are really good. Um, yeah, and then uh, I like Corky's in the Crescent. Oh, which sure. Is, it's Big Al esque, and sure, I think sure. they're all kind of they're all kind of similar. I had South Lanes on Friday just to see what the hype was all about. Yeah, there you go. And, <laughs> and did you like it? I, I did. I, I but I'm not too picky when it comes uh, to pizza. Okay. But yes, I like it better than you know some of the like the the over encompassing one like Pizza Hut or Domino's, the ones that are everywhere. Like obviously, I'm I'm going to pick South Lanes, Big Al, somewhere like that. Yeah. Over over those places. All right, so. We'll get to some less pressing issues like uh, Mayor Tim Cabot's, you know, who he endorsed, who's he endorsing for Onalaska mayor? I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> your, you know, just your thoughts on the, the Onalaska mayor issue. Um, I'm sure. just going to go through the list. Alternate side parking is ending in a week. Grandma's Gateway. There's a meeting on that tonight. Coronavirus. Do you even have to think about that? Roundabouts. Everyone loves to be mad about those. So and, and those are going up. But we're gonna hit news right now and then we'll be back to to hit on some of those issues in a minute right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. If you guys want to get in here, shoot me a text, give me a call. 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf Ford talk and text line. I uh, ran down all these things we want to talk about, but let's just get this one out of the way because I think it might be the easiest. The weather forecast for not this literally this part, but it's like 50s, you know, high for uh, low 40s, high 30s. That doesn't look to be freezing or snowing in the next week. Uh, somebody asked me 
hey, can tell Cabot to end alternate side parking for the next week because we're not going to use it. Do you, do you have this power? Or does it make sense to do this? I, I don't really have that power. I think we'll probably be okay because it's only, what, six days? It ends on March 15th, so I, th- I think we'll be all right. I mean, it's funny. I, I uh, Who's to say that we're not going to get snow after that? And, and unless it's a really significant snow, we, we don't typically reinstate alternate side right. parking. So. Yeah, if the snow is in the forecast, for, and we never get snow in April— <laughs> um but 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 do the police use their better judgment sometimes when yes. it's like you know this last week we'll probably just give warnings or something or... They, they do they, they i mean they really do uh, i've heard the comments from people about that this is in essence a money grab by the city just trying to write a bunch of tickets and generate a bunch of revenues but if you look at the you know the actual uh, reports of how many tickets and how many warnings are issued. A lot of times, there's as many, if not more, warnings that are issued. So, I think the police do a, a very good job of trying to just use their judgment and uh, give people at least, you know, for that first uh, infraction, give them the benefit yeah, of the always, doubt. They always get a warning the first time. I they, think. they usually do. Yeah. And if you get a warning the first time, then just drive your other car because everyone has two cars. Um, all right, so moving on. There's a meeting. Uh, it's like a, a special session, a public session tonight about yes. the Granddad's Bluff Trails. I, I guess we're still. Are we still calling? It, is it set in stone? Grandma's Gateway? Is that what we're? No, I, I believe what we heard from the Hickson family is they would really like us to come up with a different name, and I and I know that they are working on Granny's that. Gateway. No. It's something about it's something to do with grandmas. Yeah, I, I think there will be a uh, you know a recognition for the Hickson family and especially Ellen Hickson as a part of that. But I, I think they're working on a, a more appropriate or a more acceptable name for for that. Okay, so at City Hall tonight, there's essentially uh, some people are going to speak for and against these well, trails, it, or how is it going to work? It's really more of a public information meeting. We wanted to, based on the feedback that we've heard uh, you know, from the past month and, and a lot of the input and comments of concern from... Uh, from residents about erosion and about the types of trails and and you know the the width of those trails and whether they're indeed going to be multi-use or or be able to be shared and and all of that um, the the you know the trail access points on 29th Street so we, we've put together information in response to those concerns as well as. Uh, have continued to talk to people and further refined some of those plans. So tonight the Parks and Recreation Department are going to go through, uh, you know, from and they're going to do a little bit of a a presentation on the history of some of the trails and what the city has done over the last probably 10, 15 years when it comes to uh, preserving our bluffs and what the restoration efforts are and then trail development and, and then showcase uh, why the trails that we're contemplating now really are uh, being designed with that whole idea of sustainability and, and dealing with erosion issues and, um, you know, setting this up so that it's going to be successful for everyone to have them to be a shared use trail so that they're wide enough. I, I know that there's some uh, sections that are hiking only, so there will be only hiking on certain sections of of those trails. So I, they they want to share that and and gather more input and feedback from people about those plans. I, yeah, it seems I'm kind of an outdoorsy and enjoy stuff like that. It seems like a just kind of a funny thing to be opposing is trails and access to getting to trails to getting people outdoors more. It's not like we're putting a lithium mine behind you know below granddad's bluff we're putting trails like but the 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 issue in my head the issue is like people live in that area don't want a parking lot 
where where there will be more people out there driving past and and maybe in their backyard. So uh, you know, there's but. But, uh, you know, as if you were President Trump, you would just tell those people to move, right? Like, just move. Well, I think the, I mean, with with all these types of projects, you really do try to strike the right balance. And especially when there is a difference of opinion, uh, we've purposefully, uh, uh, you know, have a concept or a plan for these trail access points so that there isn't, you know, a big parking lot. I mean, if folks want to drive to Trailhead, they're, you know, they're encouraged, and there's facilities up on top of the bluff on Upper Hickson. There's the the parking lot on Lower Hickson, uh, you know, a bit to the north off of Milson Court. I mean, there are places where if you want to drive and, and park at a trailhead, we've got those facilities. These uh, the facilities on 29th Street and Ebner Cooley Road are really more intended to be neighborhood connections. So there isn't a parking lot. There there is on street parking, and we're going to work with our engineering department and our streets department and Park and Rec and the neighbors to make those as safe as possible so that we can slow down traffic and so that people who are either going onto the trails or coming off of the trails, that they're going to be safe with uh, the cars that go through there. So um, it, it really is part of the city's goals is to enhance the access to our public lands because we are blessed with, uh, you know, thousands of acres of open space and parks and wetlands and bluff lands. And I don't believe any of the folks who donated those or who were part of the acquisition of those wanted those kind of just sealed off. We're we're really in the business of, you know, having people who paid for it with tax dollars to be able to get out and enjoy it. So I, I do feel that we are really trying to work hard with those neighbors who are concerned about the trails on and above 29th Street and Ebner Cooley Road to make sure that we are listening and, and addressing the erosion issues and uh, and making it something that we can all be proud of. All right, we're talking with Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot. Uh, we go to the phones if you want to throw those headphones on. I think Joe is calling. Is this Joe? This is. Hey Joe, go ahead. You're on the, with the mayor. So my problem with what the city's done with the trails, the hiking trails in the last ten years, is they say it's in the name of erosion. But really what they've done is they've gone and wiped out all the hiking trails and put in four-foot-wide gravel switchbacks for bikers. So that completely ruins hiking in the woods for hikers. Does it do great for bikers? Yeah, but it makes one hell of a boring trail for hikers. We used to have hiking trails, but now they're like, oh, in the name of erosion. Well, then they redid all Hickson with the switchbacks. Every single place where it came to a... A valley where they tried to make a wash, uh, put big rocks in to stop washout. They all washed out. Whereas I was hiking for twenty years with no problem on the trails, no washouts. And then they say because of erosion, we have to change it all. Uh, and really, I believe it's just to make do for the bikers, and they've completely ruined Hickson Forest for the hikers. Well, I can I can offer this. I do think that uh, we have seen a lot more. Uh, just demand by not only hikers and bikers, people that want to use and access those trails. So, as well, why I said, not partial trails? Then why do you, why do they ruin every single hiking trail and turn it into a gravel road that runs switchbacks the whole way? There's no more hiking; it's just walking down a gravel road. Now. Well, we we haven't we haven't changed every single trail. I mean, there's still hiking only trails in certain sections. And what I've heard from some, uh, similar to your comments, they feel like we have, uh, you know, we've gone a little you bit too far. highways. 
but we, we've gone a little bit too far on on the on the side of of wider trails to accommodate bikers. So it is something that they look at, and our park board and our staff look at all the time, and really try to strike a balance. And and I and I think you know your your comments are are good suggestions, and it's something I'm sure we'll hear about tonight, and and trying to develop. Uh, more of those plans where we can have hike-only trails where, where uh, you know, people can kind of get that experience where it's very quiet and into the woods. So I appreciate what you're saying. All right. Thanks for the call, Joe. Uh, Jack texted in, uh, hopefully people will be responsible and pick up after their pets while walking on the trails. I mean, that, that would be an issue regardless. But eh, if you're out on the trails, just tell your dog to go up the hill a little bit. Well, and I think that's also just part of the education and the you know raising awareness of these public spaces and that we should be uh, taking care of those spaces and, and, you know, leaving them better than how we found them. And I know that the group... Uh, last year when when they were looking at this specific area below Grandad and, and above 29th and, and Ebner Cooley Road in that, that city park area that's being looked at right now, they had a volunteer group go through there and, and cleaned up a lot of graffiti, picked up a lot of trash. And our plans, you know, include uh, removing buckthorn and other invasive species. So that is also part of it. It's, it is, I mean, the recreation and providing better access, I think, is important. But we've got these lands that we really haven't taken care of very well over the last, you know, 20 years. And we need to do a better job of that. All right. We're speaking with Mayor Tim Cabot. On the phone is number three. Number three, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. Good afternoon, fellas. Hey. Good afternoon. See, I would talking about parks uh burns park i heard a while ago we're going to spend 250 to 275 thousand dollars to fix it up okay now i hear the other day we're going to spend another 250 thousand about a half a million dollars total who thought this other quarter of a million dollars up well, the neighborhood has been working on a plan for that park now, I think, for probably a good year to year and a half. Where, where is Burns Park? Uh, Burns just... Park is, is downtown. It's it's kitty corner from the the main public library. Okay. So and and so, I mean, believe it or not, things cost money today. And the the plan that they came up with, I think, is a, is a really good one. It still keeps a lot of the the great features of Burns Park because it is kind of a, just a nice green space in the middle of downtown. And then they've added um, more interactive things like playground equipment and some other things for, for people to do there. So uh, that that's unfortunately, I, I would love to only have to pay $250,000 for those things too, but that's the, that's the price of uh, materials and, and what it costs to, to do these types of projects. Okay, that's your overshooting runway quite a bit. I got one other thing for you. Last time you were on, I said I didn't want to see a car wash war up at the car wash. Mm -hmm. Well, people are advertising wash your car every day for sixteen ninety nine a month. I picked up the computer the other day and I looked at it. We were doing it for fourteen ninety nine a month ago. Okay, and what's your so we, question? Well, we cut the price. These other guys are trying to do it for seventeen. Now we come out at fifteen dollars. You saying the city's got a fifteen dollar a month or a, a yeah. car We're wash deal? Fourteen ninety nine, fifty cents a day to wash your car. Mm. I think that's bad. That the city, 
does that to private business? Well, I, I will uh, just remind folks that the, the airport is a utility fund or an enterprise fund, basically. And so in order for them to operate and to do the things that they have to do to keep a viable airport, they look at, at ways to, to raise revenues, including parking and concessions and restaurants and things like the car wash, which also doubles up to serve the, the, the uh, car rental agencies that are out there. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the specific price that you're talking about, number three. Well, it's but right on the, It's right on the, you look up, see uh, the Warshin subs or whatever you call that mm-hmm. place, and it's fourteen ninety nine for a month. Yeah, but that that um, we got no these other guys got property taxes, insurance, water bills, hydrant bills, water discharge, and they got all kinds of expense. And here you got a two million dollar car wash that we paid for. It ain't right. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, number three. I'll go back to the phones. Pete's calling in. Pete, you're on the air with the mayor. Go ahead, man. See, uh, I'm just wondering, could we utilize some of those jail inmates to? Maybe spoof up some of these parks and save some money and, and uh, you know, help them pay for their rent down there? Okay. I, I think jail inmates. Uh, I don't know if you caught that. Well, th- there used to be, uh, I believe, a, a justice sanctions program uh, that uh, that did that, but they, they don't do that anymore. Um, we do try to, as we're working with the homeless community here in La Crosse, we do ask uh, when we when we come across those uh, people in the parks and the various public spaces, if they would like to uh, to work or to get a job, uh, because we do hire a lot of temporary help, and and on occasion we have done that. Uh, but but as far as the the use of those people in the Lacrosse County Jail, I don't believe that program exists anymore. Um, speaking of Burns Park, Tim asked, uh, does it make sense not to have any kind of bathroom facilities there? I don't know if there are there yeah, are bathrooms. There, I, no, I don't believe there's any that are planned there. So that 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 is uh, again, it was really a collaborative effort effort between our our park and recreation folks, the the people in the downtown neighborhood association, the the Ho Chunk Nation, because they have the Three Rivers House right across the street, and and reaching out to the people that live uh, right in that immediate area, and that's you know the plan that they came up with. I think is a, is a good one. All right, we're speaking with Mayor Tim Cabot. I see that by the time that we get to hit Scott's comment in the news, we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf Ford Talk and Text Line. Uh, we're just talking about the Bucks off the air here. Mayor Tim Cabot's a big Bucks fan. Did you did you have a little bit mini of a heart, mini heart attack when he uh, clenched little, his knee at the yeah, Lakers? It, it was a little concerning, yes. But I understand he's just more as a precaution. He's going to sit out the Denver game as well. So we we need him healthy, obviously, for the for the push coming in April, May, and June. Um, a couple of things on this my list here. I wanted to get to this question. There's a couple of people waiting. I hold, but uh, they're going to have to wait. So the coronavirus is sweeping. The, the world. world essentially and it hasn't i don't i don't know you know eventually it's gonna eventually somebody from lacrosse gonna have a coronavirus i just i, f- I feel like that's gonna happen in the next year um is this something that you have you you 
have to worry about, or I guess, how do you how do you approach it as a mayor of Lacrosse? Well, it is something that you worry about. We do try to get information from uh, both the federal uh, and the state levels about their preparedness and and just keeping us up to date with the the latest information. The last that we've heard from the state is that Wisconsin, kind of as a whole, is at kind of a a moderate risk of of the coronavirus. You know, unlike. Uh, what we're seeing in Washington State and some of those other places, but we've we've learned just in the in a short period of time that it doesn't take long to go from a few cases to a, just a very large number of cases when you look at what has happened in South Korea or Italy or or some of these other countries. So uh, it looks like it's got about a you know a two week period of time where it really ramps up. So I think for us. What we're really trying to do with, um, you know, having such a public building is is doing the the disinfecting and really trying to keep it as clean as possible and putting out extra hand sanitizer and, and those types of things to, you know, just try to encourage people to use that as much as they can. I think the other part of it is, too, and, and this is the stuff I've been reading and listening and, and looking at from some of the other states, is really... At what point do you start to look at maybe not holding, you know, events that will have a large gathering of people, whether that's, you know, you think about March Madness that's coming. Well, Central and Alaska Thursday, right? Right, right. A thousand and, yeah, you know, a thousand and some people uh, just, uh, again, it's kind of, I'm a history buff, so I was reading up on some of the things that happened during the 1918, 1919, the the Spanish influenza. and, And, you know, there were millions of people that died from that around the world and just, you know, What's the, what the steps were that some communities took and really how they tried to isolate themselves. And then once people were sick, how to really quarantine and, and keep people away. So it, it is it is a concern because obviously you don't want to see people who might have some vulnerabilities when it comes to their health get exposed to it, if, if at all possible. Yeah, and we have uh, three colleges in town, Western Tech, UWL, yes. Viterbo. Yes, yes. They're all on spring break. Those kids are all who God knows where. Maybe they're, maybe they're not somewhere but like they're all over the world maybe and they're going to come back to lacrosse and i don't know do we just do we put them in line and just disinfect them like people going into a jail you see in the movies they just they throw the powder on them and spray them down with a pressure hose well it, it is i think a concern and we actually at a at the chamber meeting this morning i saw chancellor gow and some other officials from uwl and they're they're you know kind of monitoring the international travel is one thing but i think you know kind of if that's concern you know number one concern i think the a very close second is spring break and just having you know roughly thousands of students leave here going to all kinds of places florida and texas and you know other other uh, uh locations and then coming back after spring break so i know there are some colleges out on the east coast that have told their students don't come back after spring break and yep. you know again i don't know how you can uh you think about that if if schools have to start to close or some of those other things how families will deal with that because that will be a really big struggle yeah and we, you know you see in other countries i think uh, i don't remember what country it was but there's they they've closed schools until april so right i mean just trying to deal with that and and then the the whole health care issue if people do start to get it uh, you know, you start reading reports that, you know, something like Blue Cross and Blue Shield will cover your expenses. And then it's like, well, what expenses? And then what if I go to the, and I end up not having coronavirus, right. but I have something right. else that I have to pay for it? Even, you know, just 
It's very confusing. And, you know, like if we had a Medicare for all system, then nobody would have to worry about this. Thing. Well, I think the, <laughs> what I've heard and from from several states is really the push to get as much of the of the testing, you know, get that available as quickly as possible, because that's obviously the, that kind of that first step is to understand who actually has it and having test kits and, and you know, kind of ramping up the the production of those test kits and getting them in especially the population centers i think would be a really high priority so i you know we we get kind of uh daily updates from from the at the national level and then you know every so often from the state we're just trying to keep on top of the information so that we can convey that to the public test kits are weird too because it's like okay well uh, i'm gonna get tested and I don't know how fast the tests come back. If they're the next day or a couple hours, and then I'm going to go out into the world. Well, then do I have to go get tested again? It is. So like, yeah, I it think will be it, a never-ending process. It is a really interesting. I think it just gives you kind of a, a really good look at what would you know how from a global perspective, because really we we do live on this planet where travel and accessibility and all that is is just so high. I mean, what what it would really mean when we have a situation like this where you've got, you know, the potential for some some serious health issues. All right. We're talking with the lacrosse mayor, Tim Cabot, kind of all over the boards here. uh, But I want to get to all these things. Uh, Next on my list is the biggest issue that you have. uh, You know, maybe it is coronavirus. If it is, we can move on. But um, just as a mayor in, in general, you know, at this time, what what is the biggest thing that you you're having to deal with? Well, right now we are working on the preparations for the t- for next year, so for 2021 for the capital budget, and looking at uh, you know again our investments in road repairs and the other infrastructure that the city needs to take care of and invest in. Uh, I think that's uh, you know that's the, the right now we're meeting with all the departments and going through their five year plans. So that that's a, a pretty you know significant. Uh, uh, you know, the, the budgets that we put together really are the biggest policy documents that the city does every year. So we've started out on the capital budget. And then I think the, just the other ongoing issues of, of trying to work on solutions to upgrading our fire stations. Um, the, the governor was here last week signing bills related to the opioid crisis and really trying to look at ways that we can increase the amount of of detox and treatment facilities and sober housing. So that's something that's always on the forefront of my mind because that is such a significant need. Uh, I think the other, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to actually in in the uh, city council's taking it up on Thursday is the addition of two more neighborhood resource officers. So uh, for Burns Park, for example, we're looking to expand park programming as well as to add neighborhood resource officers that can make their way and start building relationships among the various parks and, and public spaces to get people that are experiencing homelessness hopefully connections to to housing and to other resources. So those are kind of the How many how many neighborhood resource officers do we have? Do you know? We that? have 8 and we serve four neighborhoods. The the two that we're looking at for the for the council to approve on Thursday would add uh, nine and ten to serve kind of the, the we're calling it parks and parking and public spaces. So um, we're actually also writing a grant to see if we can work in partnership with UW Lacrosse to have a neighborhood resource uh, combo with with L- LCPD and UWL for kind of that campus near campus area. So I, I think if you guys had, if you could do it right. Like you would just, I don't know, is there two per neighborhood? Two that, that's Yes, that's how they've approached it. They've really wanted to have teams of two yeah. to be able to work on those issues. I mean, in a, in a utopia, you would just, well, a utopia, you wouldn't need neighborhood resource officers. But if you if you had, 
you, the, the ability. You would just have two in every neighborhood, right? And they then they they would just get to know everybody in that place. And yes, and, and that really that is the essence of community policing, where the police officers get to know the neighbors and the businesses, and vice versa. The the folks in those neighborhoods get to know who their police officers are, and then feel much more comfortable either you know raising issues or sharing concerns. And I and we're really making great progress on that with the eight officers that we have already. I look forward to the the two additional officers and then hopefully two more beyond that uh, because it it has shown uh, to be very effective in those areas where uh, because we've done some surveying uh, community development survey five years ago and and then a most recent one just last year and the 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 people's feeling of safety and security and kind of satisfaction in those neighborhoods is increasing so uh, a large part of that is because of our neighborhood resource program yeah they, they they would see the same face maybe get to know that person but you mentioned homeless too and if, if there's a neighborhood resource officer in an area and he sees the same guy that's homeless you know day in and day out eventually that he probably get to know that guy yes. and then maybe that guy doesn't hey you know what it, the the officer is going to know the resources that this homeless person probably could take advantage hey did you know that you could go here or there right. or, yeah I they, mean, they, just, that's you're hitting the nail right on the head that's exactly what we're hoping for is you build those relationships and then people feel more comfortable and especially if there are other issues you know uh, whether it's again uh, getting into permanent housing substance abuse issues or mental health issues our, our police officers a lot of times are on the front line and they can then connect people with those resources all right, we're gonna we're gonna do this now, Mayor. Put your headphones on. Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. Is this, oh, I'm sorry. This is Joe. Sorry. Go ahead, Joe. You're on with the mayor. So going back to Burns Park, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of that renovation is probably being done to keep the homeless and the drug use out of there. But spending two hundred thousand dollars on a swing set is only going to get you kids stepping on needles. I'd much rather see, you know money spent on resources to help those homeless people and possibly house them. But just putting a swing set in there, maybe a couple of lights, that's not going to cut it. I mean, that is a prime space for homeless people to sleep in and for drug use to go on. So really you're just going to get a swing set full of needles for $300,000. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not, I don't, I, I feel a bit more optimistic than that. We, we have a, a very robust uh, park programming that's going to go on there. So you're typically in the summertime, there'll be certain playgrounds around the city where we'll have park and recreation staff that do, uh, you know, activities and, and set that, that playground space up for something that's really fun and engaging for our young people and those families, uh, working with the fact that the library is there along with the the, the Three Rivers House with the Ho-Chunk Nation, I see a, a lot more activity and a lot more programming going on there. Uh, and, and again, the, 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 the impetus for uh, establishing kind of a, a redone Burns Park is coming from our neighbors and, and the neighborhood there in the Downtown Neighborhood Association. So I, I give a lot of respect and a lot of credence to the people that live in this community and especially in those neighborhoods when they identify priorities and want to work through, you know, work through the process and get those things approved. And that's what they've done with Burns Park. So I look forward to that. We are, and then just on a, on a side note, we are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars every year and have spent millions of dollars in the last probably 
oh, five, six years at least on providing housing and resources to our homeless citizens. So it is something that the city takes very seriously. We're uh, a proud partner with the, the Cooley Collaborative to End Homelessness. We were the first community in Wisconsin to end veterans homelessness in our community, and and we're going to continue on that. So we, we put our money where our mouth is. I, I wish our regional partners and other communities around here would, would do that as well and look for ways that we could be better partners and to provide those resources. And and um, and I'm excited for the, the progress that we made, and, you know, we still have a long ways to go, but I'm a lot more hopeful for what Burns Park is going to be a year from now maybe than uh, than what's being discussed. Yeah, and the idea that we can't upgrade a park because there might be needles going being dropped there. I mean, the needles are going to be dropped there regardless. So I I don't know. Like we'll stop doing things because uh, there's people out there addicted to drugs and dropping needles. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with Mayor Cabot after this. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Just a couple minutes left here uh, with Mayor Tim Cabot. Um, just talking about, I think maybe, and I didn't, I don't, this is something I don't think about, but when you, when you have, uh, the city has, uh, this much money and then they allot it to each neighborhood throughout the city, right. what, how much money that is. I don't know what, how you determine that. I don't know, but that neighborhood then gets to determine how they want to use that money. Correct. And this neighborhood around Burns Park has said, we want to upgrade Burns Park. You've had other neighborhoods do other things, right? That, that's correct. So we, we've, and this has been, I think, one in combination with things like our housing programs and the neighborhood police officers, we've tried to empower our neighborhood associations by providing them with uh, capital budget funding. So, and I forget the specific amount myself, I think it's three hundred dollars or $375,000 we do one or two neighborhoods each year and and work with them through process and they have to go through the very hard conversations about you know developing the list of priorities and then how do you use that limited amount of money to meet you know, obviously, more needs than than what the the funds can can address. Does so, a neighborhood ever go? We want a roller coaster, and then they use that money for a roller coaster. Yeah, no, 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 not, uh, no, no. Yeah, we we probably wouldn't go along with that. But but the lighting, <laughs> many of the lighting projects that you've seen around town have been driven by the neighborhood groups. A lot of the park improvements have been driven by the neighborhood. How about groups. the King Street? Uh, not roundabouts, uh, traffic circles. Was that a neighborhood so, some thing? Of, some of those were also so, driven by the neighborhood and wanting to improve pedestrian safety so that it was easier for people walking and biking to get across streets. I have to drive down King Street. I want to reach over there and shake you with them King Street uh, yes. uh, traffic circles. Well, you, if you're driving your, <laughs> your car, you should be going down Cass Street or Main Street. Right, you're trying to get me off King Street. Correct. Yeah, we want to see you know young people and, and families using bicycles and walking on King Street, obviously, uh, so again, it's all, it's back to what I said earlier, it's all a balance. So I think the neighborhood groups have done a phenomenal job of, of prioritizing and, and upgrading our city and upgrading these neighborhoods and Burns Park. Like I said earlier, I'm looking, really looking forward to, you know, to seeing what happens when that is, uh, when that project is done. All right. We literally have two minutes. I'm going to go to the phones. Caller, who is this? You're on with the mayor. You there? Is that me? Yeah, go ahead. You got one and a half oh, minutes. I'm sorry. Okay. My, my deal is, oh, okay, we talk about pedestrian safety and we talk about biking. In the winter months when it snows and you say you got 24, months, 24 hours to shovel your sidewalks and they're not doing it. I have called the engineering department a couple of places. They've never cleared them. You know, we have to make our sidewalks safe for pedestrians and bicyclists, and it's terrible. 
why can't the person that goes around and gives you the parking tickets or ticketing those kids over at UWL if they don't have their their app go around there and call these places in? It's terrible what our sidewalks are like for our wheelchair people, our pedestrians, and our bicycles. All right, Mary, you have one minute. Go. I, I could not agree more, and that is something that uh, needs to be improved. We, we've talked about that, especially after last year's very terrible winter, and it and it's carried over into, into this year. Um, this year, we've had two cr- uh, snow removal crews, so the way that the, the system is supposed to work is that after that that snowfall and that 24 hours has expired um, we have uh, both on city staff and the engineering department as you pointed out as well as two uh, contracted crews that will go out and then clear those walks so um, I don't know if it's a situation where um, they didn't get to everybody it sounds like there you know there were certain parts of the city that they didn't do a very good job on so I, I agree with you we've got to look for other options there to try to improve that enforcement. All right, that is going to do it. It's always a quick hour when you come in here, but thanks you a lot. Bet. Thank you. All right, we'll, we'll see, see you next month. Yeah, we'll see you, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll figure it out. All right, thanks, guys.